Welcome to Project Echo. This is the University of Melbourne Hub Adolescent Mental Health Network, Series 2, Session 1. I'd like to acknowledge the support of the Victorian Government for the production of this series. Um, and it's Tuesday, the 27th of July, 2021. So welcome back to the um, Adolescent Mental Health Echo Network. In our previous Echo sessions, our didactic presentations covered uh, common mental health presentations and comorbidities. We explored anxiety and depression and discussed both normal adolescent development, impact the impact of trauma and adverse childhood experiences on development, and shone a light on neurodevelopmental disorders. We've recorded these didactics, and you can go back and listen anytime by clicking on the link that Anne-Marie will pop in the chat, um, or provide, um, exploring the Canvas learning management system. It's been busy in disc clinics and we know that in the shadow of the pandemic, presentations of anxiety, self-harm and other maladaptive behaviours have risen exponentially in our child and adolescent populations. And with these increases in mental health distress, while it is concerning, I think increased presentations also speaks of increasing mental health literacy and help-seeking behaviours in our young people. For students with disc clinics in their schools, much of this drive will be attributed to the good work that you guys are doing with your school program leads to establish youth-friendly, accessible youth-friendly services and a welcoming place within your schools. So in this series of five sessions, we'll deepen our discussions about common mental present health presentations um, and we'll focus on some of the issues that you told us that you were facing um, in the last series. Today, we'll be exploring anxiety through the lens of the social determinants of health and considering the needs of young people who may be experiencing uh, discrimination and or disadvantage due to their status as cold, refugee, LGBTI and ATSI. And so we've called this um, session Anxiety at the Intersections. Um, and we'll be thinking about how to put these principles into practice in our case-based discussions. And um, But before we bring uh, move into these conversations, I'd like to start by making an acknowledgement to country. All right, with that, I'll, I'll mute myself and I'll hand over to you, Sandra, to take it away for the presentation. Great. Thanks, Bianca. Anne-Marie, could you stop sharing because I'll share my version. Thank you very much. And hopefully without too many glitches, we will see how we go. Look at that. First go. Yay. So here we are. Um, this evening we're going to think about the experience of young people who come from any of those backgrounds but not limited to those backgrounds and what is it that they have in common and Bianca and I tossed around some ways of thinking about this and really what stood out was the experience of being other when you are um, when you come perhaps from a called background LGBTIQ plus background you may have you may be a neurodiverse young person and the experience of other is not a neutral experience. It is not um, that it just means that you're different. It usually has negative connotations and those negative connotations really come from the environment around you. And so we want to have a think about the impact. What's it like if you're a young person trying to exist in an environment that is hostile in some way? And a reminder that a helpful framework is indeed thinking about the old four Ps, predisposing, protective, precipitating and perpetuating when we try and understand young people and, and their world and the difficulties that they present with. This 
is a slide that will be familiar to some of you. It looks a very busy slide. So let me talk you through it. It does come from Bronfen Brenner's ecological systems theory that locates a young person, in this case, a young person, but an individual in a context, a context of their family, their school, the broader environment around them, the education system, the health service, social services, and their community. That includes cultural ideas and ideologies. And of course, since 2020, we've had a new player, and that is the COVID pandemic. And across all of these domains, it's bi-directional, the impact and the, the influence, and it can be a positive one where young people may flourish and grow or a negative, toxic kind of environment, hence the two halves of the circle. And to start off with, I want you to have a think about your own experiences, perhaps, of being other and what that might have been like. I'm going to kind of tune into that for ourselves. Where were you? How old were you? Why were you other? Why did you, why did you stand out? And was it a good thing or was it not a good thing or a mixed thing? Um, just to kind of set the scene for what we're talking about. And again, within a school environment, if you think about young people from those various groups, is there diversity in the environment so that a young person can see themselves uh, within the broader school environment and within the staffing profile of schools or not? And what is the young person's experience? in that kind of environment where it is indeed a hostile environment? And is it about being teased or bullied or left out or shamed or isolated? And what are the responses if that's the environment that you're in? Well, there can be a multitude of, ex of responses to feel anxious or distressed or angry, to not attend school, to have poor grades, to sometimes behave in aggressive ways towards others or indeed self-harming behaviour towards self. And these range of presentations can be thought about as a young person's survival mode. They are trying to manage things that are difficult to manage and this is as best as they can manage, to be in survival mode. The problem with survival mode, it is just that. You are just surviving. You are just hanging in there. And when young people come to see us, it's A, important to recognise that that's what, what it is and to think about how do we take it to somewhere in a different place than just surviving. So what's the, the aim of a therapeutic encounter where we recognise but maybe this young person is just hanging in there. I think the first thing is how do we convey that this is a supportive environment? How do we help them feel supported? And I think the heart of it is engagement and that old mantra of done with, not done to. I know you all know this. This is not new, but it is so important 
for young people who are have been isolated or young people who are feel themselves othered to be able to feel that they belong here and they are part of this interaction. And of course it will vary depending on a young person's developmental age and stage, just exactly how you do that. Again, we're back to this Bronfen-Brenner's ecological systems theory to help us think about what needs to happen. What is it that we are hoping to do when we meet young people? So we have to acknowledge that there are things that we cannot change, but there are things that indeed we can influence and how do we do this? And is it that we first of all are thinking about the needs of the individual? How do we help a young person who is feeling anxious or angry or distressed? How do we help them manage their own emotional state? How do we help them be able to feel in control of their emotions again. Is there a piece of work that relates to PTSD? Is it about supportive counselling to talk through homophobia or racism or some other traumatic um, event? And what is it that needs to happen after such an event or after uh, you become aware of it? Are there touch points within the school of things that the school can do? Are there things that families can do or what supports do family need as well? And what about our own health services? Are there things that we can do differently or are there things that we need to change to demonstrate a welcoming, supportive, safe environment for young people? Always, I guess, remembering, again, I know you know this, but it is about mental health problems or indeed concerning behaviours don't happen in a vacuum. They happen and they sit within a context that um, uh, Bianca was talking about at, at the very beginning. So what is it that we're trying to think about? When it, we are thinking about, for those young people, are they safe now? Are they physically safe? Are they emotionally safe? Is there anything that needs to happen to assist with safety? Whose support does a young person need? And that support can come from all kinds of places, um, peers, teachers, family, professionals. Uh, and there is an important, um, really, really vital um, I was going to say idea, I'm sorry, it's not an idea, but a vital ingredient that when a young person uh, is courageous enough to come for help, that indeed help is available. So when a young person comes to see all of you, that they are welcomed and they are told they've come to the right place. They have come, uh, there are things that can be done to help with whatever the difficulty is. And it starts with this notion of being listened to and respected. Um, and we do this with young people, again, by asking them, what do they think would be helpful now? What is pressing for them? What is the priority for them? And, and very much demonstrating a collaborative stance. And where possible, thinking about choice. 
uh, with young people choices. Now, again, this is about what things are in your control, what things are not in your control. But where possible, inviting young people's opinion and giving them choice, and particularly the choice of where to start. This is part of a journey. What's the end game here? The end game is that we are assisting young people in that transition from late childhood to early adulthood with increasing decision making, increasing involvement and increasing independence with respect to various elements of their life, including their health care. So that's kind of to set the scene for how we might think about the case that's going to be presented um, very, very shortly. So thanks very much, everyone. Now, I think that is my last slide. And Anne-Marie, it's going to be over to you now and the case. Okay, great. And so, we, yes, we've got the case there for um, Sandra. Now, we've actually got a minute or two. Um, I guess it's an opportunity to ask any questions of um, Sandra um, or perhaps provide any reflections. I might make a comment, Bianca, if not. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, my comment would be the, the, the process in my head is always to think about young person, family, school, community, uh, and to think about the things that are uh, protective and good for and supportive, but also to think about the things that are challenging for a young person across those domains. And when we're thinking about the things that are protective, we're potentially thinking about how do we increase those? Well, where are the touch points for intervention and for assistance? And how do we shore those things up? 